You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mom. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Welcome back, this is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your day Your daily grind, taking us with you wherever you go We are the Rain and Jays I am John Corrales of MassLive.com Joined today by Jay King, the kid of the athletic, who is fired up for this podcast. I mean, just raring, raring to go, raring to go, ready. This is <laughs> this is like watching somebody just hit nothing but net in warmups. You just sit there, and you're like, oh man, I can see it, I can see it. He's got a, he's got a fifty spot on him in, in him this game. So see now you're spooking me because I had too many times where I made everything in warmups and then missed everything in games. Can, can I be real? None of that really matters. Like I've seen both. I've had games where it was like, oh my god, I suck in warmups, can't do anything, and you go up and you, you know, you drop twenty five. So uh, that's, but whatever, it worked. It, the setup was really working until you. So maybe you're not as fired up. Maybe I blew it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of leftovers to talk about from the Raptors game. Marcus Smart had a monster fourth quarter defensively, which we didn't really talk about as much last night. But of course, all anybody wants to talk about right now is Kyrie Irving. His comments last night after the game that had like the entire locker room just kind of like, what did he just say? Did he just we were say all in a daze. We were all like in a daze, like. What just happened? Did he really just say he called LeBron and apologized? So let's let's set this up a little behind the scenes because I want to know what was going through your head. So so people know after the game, Brad speaks first, and then after that, we line up outside the locker room, we go in, and they send out a few players and whatever. So Kyrie is usually talking after games, and what happens is everybody pulls out their phones. So generally speaking, like I am recording video on my phone, so I'm not tweeting at all while that's happening. I'm just recording the video, and most people use their phones as their recorders. So all of a sudden, Kyrie drops the, yeah, I had to call LeBron and apologize. I was like, oh my God, I have to stop this right now, but I can't, and from there, the last four minutes of his availability was just like, I can't wait to write about this thing. I can't believe how big this is. This is just going to be all over SportsCenter. This is going to be all over NBA.com. Like, what, when you first heard it, what was your reaction? My first reaction was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. And obviously, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the LeBron thing. And the LeBron thing is an important piece of this. I just want to state first. To me, the most important part was that he he admitted Jalen Brown was right, yeah, and that he shouldn't have been publicly critiquing his teammates the way he has 
regularly throughout the season. That to me is bigger than the LeBron thing. The LeBron thing matters. The LeBron thing is crazy. The LeBron thing, like he requested a trade partly because he didn't like the dynamic between him and LeBron James. That was a year and a half. Like he broke up a championship caliber team because he didn't like that dynamic. And then, so he, he was at once saying like, okay, I sympathize with LeBron because when he was doing that, I realized what he was trying to do. But he was also saying what LeBron did back then didn't work for me. And so now I have to take that lesson and realize I need to deal with the younger players better. How many times have you heard a star player outright admit that he was wrong to like publicly critique and do such a 180 on things? It doesn't happen a lot. So that part alone was stunning. And then the LeBron revelation, like for, for full context, Kyrie last season, anytime he was asked about LeBron, like he glared at people who asked him about LeBron. If you even had the audacity to bring up LeBron's name, he would like, like just stare you into dust. And there was obvious, obvious, obvious tension between those two guys. And for him to call LeBron, it, it was it was a stunner. It, <laughs> it really was a stunner. I think it it shows, first of all, how far Kyrie has to go as a leader because he's gone about things the wrong way. He caused probably some unnecessary tension in the Celtics locker room. And also the fact he is embracing the leadership thing, like flaws, whatever else he wants the pressures of being the guy. And that that's part of the reason why he asked out of Cleveland too, because he wanted what LeBron had. He wanted to be the centerpiece of everything. And that comes with a long list of pressures that that are really tough to handle. And Kyrie hasn't always handled that right. And obviously, after Jalen Brown's comments, it was clear that some guys it rubbed the wrong way. And, you know, we were, we were kind of debating whether those Jalen Brown comments were a shot at Kyrie. I don't know whether it was a shot, but it's obvious Kyrie took them as a direct response to him. Like he took that as Jalen doesn't like what the way I've been acting and and he took it to heart yeah yeah (laughs) he really really took it to heart so one thing that you wrote about in the athletic when you wrote your version of this story is like everybody has their own kind of slant on this story you brought up something that's very interesting to me that LeBron when he was in Cleveland would constantly go to the media and talk about the same things that Le- that Kyrie's been talking about in a lot of the same ways, talking to the media about the youth and stuff like that. And I got to be careful how I phrase it, because I remember specifically when Kyrie was asked, do you have a father-son relationship with LeBron? Oh, you're going to say you become your father. It's a, that's, but, that, but you know what? There's there's an element of that to this, that it's not, it's not exactly a father-son thing, but when you're young and you're learning from an authority, not an authority, but an older figure like that. I you, think LeBron's an authority. LeBron is definitely an authority. Well, we can call him an authority. It, however you want to phrase it. But isn't that, isn't that really the case? In a similar way that I learned from my dad and you learned from your dad and I learned from my influences, male influences, people who influence me, coaches, uh, other teammates – and and you tend to take on their tendencies. So it's not surprising, and I'm glad you brought it up, it's not surprising that Kyrie, in learning how to become a leader, 
goes back to leading the way LeBron led because that was his first leader in the NBA, and he's kind of taking on some of those tendencies. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying it as a father-son, but there is the the similarity in how people act when they learn from somebody above them. So that, I think, was kind of an interesting full circle for him to kind of, when he brings up LeBron, that, okay, now I, I, I see what you were trying to do, and now this is where he really becomes an individual. This could be the flashpoint for him to say, ah, I see what LeBron was trying to do. Uh, I was being difficult or, or not receptive, much like these young guys are not being receptive. And, and now I have to understand that what drove me away from LeBron, I can't do again and drive these guys away from me. And I think that's that maybe, and I, I'm not 100% sure that this is the exact realization that he's come to. I think this is what it is, but that may be the thing that changes how he approaches his own leadership. So that is, for me, maybe the most important takeaway that this realization of, okay, calling him out. It's not, I've seen it done before. I understand that situation. I know how that, I know how that movie ends. I'm not going to be that way anymore. And now he becomes his own guy. Uh, and it's, I don't want to keep rambling, but it, it's much like I'll compare it to myself as a writer. And I start, when I started writing, I started basically mimicking people that I liked that were really, really good. And my early stuff was essentially a, a carbon copy of their voice. I was doing an imitation of other people. And then as you get older, you start developing your own voice. And this is just the natural progression, just like the young kids have their own natural pro progression as as NBA players. He has his own natural progression as a leader uh, in this locker room. So that, that's, that's my spin. The other question comes out of this, Jay. Should he be talking about him and his progression as a leader? Uh, that's, that's been one of the uh, other talking points. Let's take a break and come back after the break to start getting into that aspect of it. Stick around here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. A reminder, if you have a smart speaker, if you've got a smart speaker as a gift, go ahead, wake it up, and ask it to play podcast Lockdown Celtics. Or if you like any other show, Lockdown NBA, you can just do that, play it through your smart speaker, ask it to play podcast, and then whatever. We're back in a minute on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Jay, I posed a question to you before the break. Uh, one reaction I've seen is, okay, this is great that Kyrie has been talking, that he came to this realization. Should he be talking about his leadership ability so much in the media? Uh, so here, here's my thing. I think it can kind of get grading that he does talk about his leadership a lot. And I think... But that's obviously a theme for him is that he wants to take on the leadership role. He wants to become a leader. He he's reached out to people. He he reached out to LeBron James, like the, the most unlikely source for advice that he he could have turned to. 
So I, I get, I get people who say that he's, it could be frustrating to hear him say that. I get why people are frustrated that he talks about his leadership a lot. I understand why people think he shouldn't have even brought up the LeBron James thing, because even that is showing that he considers the Celtics young guys. He believes the Celtics young guys are not ready the way they should be. And, and so I understand that even by mentioning the conversation with LeBron James, that he now sympathizes with LeBron James, that he was probably not what he, he didn't act like he should have acted back then. That's saying the Celtics right now aren't acting like they should, the younger Celtics. But, but we already knew that. We already knew Kyrie felt like that. He's been saying it all year. So him bringing up this LeBron James call, to me, wasn't another shot at the young guys. It was just like, I just didn't know what everything that went into leadership. I'm trying to learn everything. I see where LeBron was coming from now. And now I need to take those lessons I learned from him and take my own experiences and become better so that this team can grow closer together and grow more consistent. That's what I took from it. I, but I, I do understand why people were, why people didn't love him bringing up the LeBron thing. Yeah. Like that makes sense to me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And we, I kind of joked about it last night on the podcast where I said it, he, he's calling himself out. If you, if you, listen to everything that he said and he calls himself out and he says, you know, I was young and all I cared about was all stars and all my own stuff. And it sounds like this kind of fun, self-deprecating realization, like, man, I get it, LeBron. You, I was, I was a pain in the ass. And then wait a minute, I've been talking about these guys. And if I was a pain in the ass, then these guys are a pain in the ass. So there is, there is within it an inherent kind of, shot at the other guys that can be interpreted as stop, you know, stop messing with these guys. And I saw people tweeting the Bill Simmons take, and that's the exact Bill Simmons take that he's he's very anti Kyrie in this whole thing. But I think that's a case of being in there. I, I, I didn't come out of it thinking like, Oh God, this again. Like I felt like this was his moment to come to this realization and like you said at the beginning, it was saying JB was right, I think is the line that he kind of absolves himself of the, this is another shot at, at the young guys thing. Like I think, and, and this is also an example of how, the media or people in general say we want an athlete to be forthcoming when you don't really want an athlete to be forthcoming. Some people, because this felt like to me an honest Kyrie moment that may, maybe a little too honest. Maybe he shared too much if you want to go down that road, but he was telling you that, Hey, I called LeBron. He didn't have to say it. He could have kept it quiet, but he kind of offered that up almost as a sign of vulnerability, almost as a sign of like, Hey, I know I've been like very defensive about the whole LeBron thing. Here I am telling everybody, you know, I, I realized what I've been doing and how I've been acting. And I actually reached out to LeBron as a, almost a, a fence mending thing or whatever. Uh, being in that locker room, I took it that way. But for people who 
want athletes to be forthcoming when they are, it's hard to uh, it's hard to turn around and be like, oh, you shouldn't say that though. Like, do you want a guy to tell you the truth? Do you got want a guy to be honest with you, or or don't you? Uh, and you can't have it both ways. Like Kyrie, I think is being honest and forthcoming, whether you like the things that he says or not. You got to give the guy credit for telling us things that are, are giving us these honest answers. So uh, the, the other thing I want to know is what the hell was LeBron's reaction when he looked down at his phone? He's having dinner apparently with Kevin Love. Yeah, that was that was my favorite part. So, Learning that he. He got it while at an Italian restaurant with Kevin Love, and he showed everyone the phone, and it was kind of like, what in the hell? <laughs> can you, like, can you believe who it is on this line right now? Can you imagine? Like, that is – that had to be I, – I so wish I could see the moment and the look. Like, what's the look on Kevin Love's face in that moment? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, that had to be – that had to be hilarious. Um but yeah, that's just all kinds of craziness going on here with this with this situation. Um, that cracked me up. That <laughs> like, what were those guys thinking? And then the the other layer to this is the what if of it. What if Kyrie had come to this realization two years ago when oh, he yeah. was still when he was still in Cleveland? Can you imagine? Like, I said this last night to Sam. Like the people in Cleveland have to be like, what? Now, now you figured this out. Thanks, because he would have stayed in Cleveland, and LeBron might still be in Cleveland, and they might have a couple more championships. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the people in Cleveland have to be like, "You son of a bitch." Yeah, that that one. The what if about this whole thing? Like, what if the Celtics had still had Isaiah Thomas, and he still hasn't has barely played since his injury? And what if? What if they kept the eighth pick instead or whatever the case may be? Would they have gone after Kawhi Leonard more heavily? Like, mm-hmm. th- there are a lot of questions, a lot of what ifs, a lot of variables to this. But that's the NBA. They're, everything is so fickle. And yeah. sometimes sometimes relationships just don't work at the time. But it, I, I also think it's cool that those guys have mended their issues. Like, they had the greatest comeback in finals history. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a really cool thing, a really neat thing that they're now past whatever bumps were between them and they can just fully appreciate that. So that, that's, that's a neat part to me. And I saw some people on Twitter saying Kyrie to LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a funny take. I enjoyed um, that. Uh, I th- and this is why, the point that you made is why I started out my version of the piece on mass live with Kyrie talking about experience in Orlando. Like it was when he finally got out of his seat and we waited a long time for him to get out of the seat after the frustrating end to the Orlando game, when he was asked what was missing and the exchange was what's missing from this team. He said, experience. Is that it? Yeah. Experience. And then he went off on the thing that set off these dominoes, but it's the experience that he was also missing this part, this, all of the stuff that we've been talking about, everything that happened from Brad Stevens, drawing up the plan, the huddle in Orlando to today, right now talking about this, this has been an experience for Kyrie. This is how you grow. This is how you learn. This is why old people know more than young people. So this has become 
this becomes the experience that you need. If you don't have this experience, you don't learn that LeBron had a point. Like he doesn't figure out LeBron had a point until he screws something up so massively. So it's, it's kind of funny. Well, from a Boston perspective, funny, not from a Cleveland perspective, but it's kind of funny to say, Oh, Cleveland people must be like pissed, but he couldn't come to this realization until he left until he, uh, goes through what he goes through and everything. It's like any kind of relationship. You know, it's, it's hard for people to be the right person in a relationship until you've gone through and broken up a few times and realize, oh, I was kind of a dick in that situation. I can't be a dick like that anymore. Or I, I made a mistake or this person made a mistake and I can't take this. All of these things, as you grow up, you learn these things. And we forget that Kyrie is a young guy. He's in his mid-20s. Like, he can't have everything figured out in life. So this is an important step. Now, what does he do with it? I don't know that we don't know what the future is going to bring. You'd like to think that this is a positive step forward for him, that he's learned enough. He's become a bigger person, big enough to call LeBron on his own unprompted. That's a big, big step. It feels like a big step, a positive step, but who knows tomorrow, something else could happen. And, uh, you know, they, they could screw something up in Memphis and he can go on a rant and then we're back at square one. So, and, and here's why it's important to me. Because this Celtics team has been streaky. They've been great. Some Like, sometimes they are so good. Other times they are so bad. <laughs> and when they lose, it seems like every defeat they've, they've made into something greater than it is. Like, almost all the time, there's something going on with this team. There's been something going on with this team, whether it's Kyrie calling people out or Marcus Morris shoving Jalen Brown, or a long team meeting while the media waits in the hallway. Every defeat, like every bump in the road, has they haven't just walked over it. They've they've like like cuddled with it, like <laughs> like banged their heads against it, like thrown each other off of it. They have turned tiny things into big ordeals and if they can stop doing that and if they can get past those those little stretches when things go wrong and just stay together through those that's a big deal and that's why i think this is important and obviously him coming to this realization doesn't matter if he doesn't change and he doesn't become the leader everyone wants him to be and the leader that guys can look up to that he and wants to bring be. guys together that he wants to be yeah um but but if if this team can find that harmony it's a big deal because they have shown when they're at their best they can be really good they can be they play some of their stretches have been the best of the brad stevens era that's mm-hmm. just when they're rolling they get it rolling they can be. They can look so damn powerful, so damn good on both ends of the court, and so there is that potential there. They just, they just have to mine it and continue mining it, and that's been a, a bumpy, bumpy process for this team. I, I will. My final word here on this before we move on to the leftovers from the Toronto game is that, but the reason why I stay positive about this team is that I do legitimately think that they want it. They do want things to work out it's not like they are in a locker room where 
I understand uh, there's questions about exact motivation of young guys, but they, they all do want to win. They all do want to play with each other, it feels like. I don't think there's any real division in this team. They do want to go out there and realize the expectations. They do want to win. They do want Kyrie does actually want to be a good leader. I don't think he's BSing us. I think that's something that he strives to be. So the question for the Celtics is, can they figure out how to do it and when? If they can't, then this team will never win anything. If they can, it's a question of, can they do it this season? Or will it take a a trade or or something else to, or just more experience, as Kyrie said, for them to figure it out? I've got a question for you. Hit me. Why do you think Kyrie didn't realize this all season? Realize what? That he was being that that he was doing all the things he he disliked about LeBron. I it, I think it just Le- took like the reaction. Like it, it took the uh, it took the other guys. I think kind of fighting back a little bit. Like I don't think after the Brooklyn game and where Jalen said what he said, uh, I don't think that was the first Kyrie heard that sentiment. I I'm pretty. Sure that after Kyrie said what he said in Orlando, because remember, everybody was on the bus and gone. Everybody was either back in the hotel or waiting on a bus for Kyrie because he he's they put up the times on the whiteboard of when the last bus is. And he spoke probably at 20 minutes past the last bus. So they're all sitting there waiting and we all start tweeting and they, I'm sure, said this again. And when he got back. There had to be words. It's it's not like they don't talk to each other. So I think somewhere, either him and the players, him and the coaches, him and a personal confidant, somebody within his own inner circle, somebody had to come to him and be like, okay, this is enough. Like, this is enough. Or maybe it was just the media reaction and somebody somewhere, he, he heard, he got a message. And maybe earlier on he he was trying to do what he did and he didn't realize what the grading effect of it was but i do think that orlando was the tipping point and somebody somewhere in that that realm said okay this isn't working now now you've turned the corner and it's becoming counterproductive and uh, i'm and that's why the next morning when they were in brooklyn and they had the uh the shoot around he seemed a little bit more kind of reticent he was a little more you know i'm not going to do this anymore i'm not going to talk about these guys anymore and and then afterwards is when jalen brown had his comments so i think i i think the reason why i waited till now is because he only just realized and it only just hit him and somebody hit him with it that that wasn't the right approach yeah this has become a fascinating Kyrie season oh absolutely like absolutely fascinating i thought last year entering the season he was the most fascinating player in the league because he had requested a trade and he had all this pressure to prove that he could carry a team. And it never really materialized last year. Like, he was really good. The Celtics were really good. There there wasn't much extra to it, I guess. This year has been, like, such a journey for him. And I think he's playing the best all-around basketball of his life. He's playing defense. He's taking charges. He's passing the ball. I mean, he had 18 assists against the Raptors through some great, great passes. And has been doing that pretty consistently. And at the same time, there's been like this journey with him and the like almost internal conflicts between he wants to stress the patience, 
to build championship habits. But then also he has no patience for his teammates who don't have championship habits already. And he wants to build up the young players, but he's also tearing down the young players. And so it's like his heart's in the right place. He doesn't really know what to do. He's obviously exerting effort, leading by example all the time by changing his entire attitude toward defense. And it, it, it really has just become a fascinating season of introspection and clashes with himself, with, you know, Jalen Brown came out, obviously directed public comments at Kyrie. And so there, there have just been a lot of layers to this Kyrie season. There have been. A lot. And there are going to be a lot more. Like, we're only halfway through the season. Many layers. So <laughs> many more layers to come. Okay. So we'll leave it there for now. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with actual basketball talk. Some uh, leftover thoughts from the win over the Toronto Raptors when we return on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Lost in all of this Kyrie stuff is the fact that the Boston Celtics beat the Raptors 117-108 and sent a message that even with all of their struggles, they continue to show up most of the time against the good teams. They've beaten Toronto again, and I believe they have now an opportunity to go into Toronto and take a tiebreaker, which may be moot. They're they're about five games out here. Uh, They have a lot of ground to make up, but... Still, tiebreaker is important. Uh, and uh, some really good basketball in this game. So uh, one of the things that we did not talk about on last night's podcast, which you, Jay, highlighted on Twitter, was Marcus Smart's monster defense down the stretch. We got caught up in the Kyrie uh, madness and all of the points and assists and how he had a direct contribution to 25 points down the stretch. But he would not have had that exact contribution and the result might not have been the same if it was not for Marcus Smart defending the way he did. Yeah, Mar- Marcus Smart was a beast down the stretch. Literally guarded everyone on the court. Had a monster block out of Serge Ibaka. Contested Kawhi. I mean, he was matched up against Kawhi. How many guards out there would be matched up against Kawhi for most of a game? Is Drew Holiday maybe the only other one who could even try it? I'm I'm trying to think like who else a, a coach would even cons- consider putting giving that assignment. No, 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 That's it just it. doesn't happen. So Smart was great. I I thought Terry Rozier, his energy like like a lot of guys on the team said changed the game in the second quarter. He or the first half. He Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown were both. Were all three of them really good in the first half? Baines's return, very important. I mean, that guy just gives the Celtics a lot of what they need, and he's just—he's always energy, always, always energy, always barking out orders, always telling guys where to be. And the Celtics missed missed his presence while he was gone. So that was that was a fun game to watch, wasn't it? Just 
two teams executing at a high level. And Brad was so excited. He was so excited that the Celtics took a couple of shots, took a couple punches to the face and just kept swinging and kept kept fighting because they haven't done that a lot. And he was asked about that actually before the game. And Brad kind of said, yeah, you're on to something yeah. with that question. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that one, you got a good point there. And and then they the Celtics went ahead and, and came back after really a dreadful start where Raptors were just scoring in the paint at will and Celtics had a ton of turnovers. And then later on, Raptors had a huge run. Boston came back again. So resilience from the Celtics. Resilience. Resilience. Hey, by the way, you, since you brought up Brad pregame, I thought it was a really funny Brad moment when the – I guess it was maybe one of the the Raptors people uh, asked him, do you think it's easier to guard uh, Kawhi because you know he's going to be the only guy that gets the ball down the stretch? And Brad Stevens was like, oh, this is where my quote's supposed to come back and haunt me forever, and I'm supposed to say, oh, yeah, he's easier to guard, and I'm on his whiteboard for the rest of, the rest of my life. Uh, I thought that was a pretty funny moment uh, in the pregame scrum. Uh, Brad having some, some more fun with the uh, – with the assembled media as we move forward. But yeah, uh, he was excited to see that the Celtics did respond. Well, we were excited to see that the, the, the Celtics were able to respond well. Uh, and mostly because, uh, the effort was there. And another thing here is that Al Horford was able to hit shots and Al Horford has been struggling a lot more than we expected this season. Some of it might be a little bit of him coasting. Some of it was has been his knee, but it, it's just not been there the way it was last year. And him picking and popping and hitting those three-pointers just changes the entire dynamic of, of what they're able to do on offense. But then him, again, on defense, uh, he had a, a, a big-time block down the stretch that, that was really important. So uh, part of making that counterpunch, part of making that comeback is answering them when they when they hit shots and some of the biggest shots came from al horford and uh aaron baines aaron baines that three was crucial yeah that three was crucial i, I enjoyed the the baines monroe matchup baines monroe really just just had me excited <laughs> the one play where monroe closed out to baines on the perimeter and then baines kind of like started to go one-on-one against him I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Gloved Baines going one-on-one from the perimeter. And Greg Monroe had some moments. And Baines hit the three when Monroe didn't even consider guarding him on the perimeter. I, I am I am all for Moose versus Baines matchups. The, the Give me more of that. <laughs> uh, okay, what else here? How good was Gordon Hayward? Like that, yeah, his first half was fantastic. Yeah, that I, I saw the, a move highlighted from, uh, I think it was from his trainer that tweeted it out. The crossover between the legs step back was just beautiful. And The Celtics had some crazy step backs. Marcus Morris had one, too, that looked like Harden. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're really, when they're on, they're on. Uh, the one from Horford, I mean, the one from Hayward is, I think, is an important one because he hasn't really been doing that. And stopping on a dime, turning the corner, and crossing over and stepping back and, and hitting that three is just another little incremental step forward and just another sign that 
just be patient with this guy. Uh, he was huge, and uh, I thought he did a, a, a great job. And in that second quarter where Terry Rozier came in and did a fantastic job defensively, it was Gordon Hayward that on offense was carrying the team and turned a deficit into a, a bigger big lead for the Celtics. This is true. <laughs> this is true. I am not bored. I am disagreeing here. What a point, John. All right. Any other points from the game, Jay? Kyrie's three over Kawhi was ridiculous. I just wanna I just wanna stress that. I know you all know that, but that was Kawhi Leonard. And then there was another like spin move Kyrie had with a little floater over Kawhi. Kyrie the he had lefty, some bad the lefty floater? Yeah, it was that a was joke. Sick. It was, was a sick. joke. It, he had some ugly, ugly turnovers early on. Just some careless turnovers. But with the exception of that, just put on an absolute show. And you could tell early on. I didn't tweet it because I usually hate remarks like this. And no, normally it, you can't tell, but it seemed like there was an extra energy to him for that game. He. He knew that Boston needed a win after a three-game losing streak. He knew the Raptors, who came in with the Eastern Conference's best record, were a great challenge. And and I, I do think he has an, another level to reach for games like that. And he, he normally brings out a quality, quality effort when he's playing the Warriors or the Raptors or like there's a different Kyrie that that goes into those matchups and he's been really good all season don't get me wrong but there's just another step he takes a lot of the time against those top teams. Mhm. That's it. I mean national TV big time challenge that's Kyrie's time. That's what he's supposed to do. So, okay. Great show. Well, oh, one more point. What, I got what? one more point. One more point. One more point. It's like an encore. I'm I wrap I, it up and Jake comes swooping back in. Kyrie's Quote to the was it was a game on ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His quote in his walk off interview oh, is yes. like, "What what's the NBA without drama or something?" <laughs> or like, it can be without drama, Kyrie. You don't. <laughs> there doesn't have to be drama. <laughs> but but I think he's starting to realize that. So, shouts to Kyrie. Yep, yep. He also said that they can roll over anybody. If they're playing like this, he, he did say that he, he is very high on the potential of this squad, which I think is part of the reason why he's been so hard on this squad. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. Um, and he's right to be high on this, on, on their potential. They've got so much that they can, uh, they can rely on so many guys that can take over at any moment. All right. Now that's the end of the show. Unless Jay has another point. Nope. That, that's it for me. Okay. All of the new listeners, we really appreciate you tuning in. If this is your first show, thank you. We hope you that you have enjoyed it. Uh, this is the Friday podcast, so let it soak in over the weekend. We'll be back uh, for a Monday podcast in a couple of days. We're here for you Monday through Friday. Give us that subscription. Give us that five-star rating. Write a good review and share the podcast. Tell your friends. They should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on Celtics.